0: Hello girls and guys, welcome back to On The Back Bar. Today's guest is well-spoken wineman Tom Sergi. Tom is a great guy and is known for being a presenter and educator in the wine world, most notably for his role in Ridgeview Estate, a Sussex vineyard that produces delicious English sparkling wine. Tom recently was shortlisted for Outstanding Achievement in the wine industry and he's just been part of a new app called Pingza that helps you decide the best wine to buy, with him teaching you along the way how to drink it. Now we're into what is my third week of social distancing time and I have to say we're doing okay over here, just a lot of eating and Netflix in quarantine. I hope you guys are all staying safe and have some good TV to watch. In terms of how the trade is doing, well there have been some great developments. I know that many of the big players in the trade are showing their charity and really trying to support hospitality in any way they can. Diageo is pledging 8 million bottles of hand sanitizer worldwide to free courses being offered by WCT and Pernod Ricard. Peer-to-peer tipping platform, Tipjar, and Hospitality Action have teamed up to create a fund to help hospitality workers struggling to pay rental bills or feed themselves and their families. And other foundations like Tales of the Cocktails, Punch Drinks, and Imbibe are releasing regular content to keep you entertained and support you during this time. CPL Learning has put together a free online course to help businesses prepare and make contingencies. And there are some really helpful resources out there that are now free for us to use. One particular online training program I want to highlight is the Ananas Academy. This comes from Sven Almening, the founder of this and also the Speak Easy group in Australia. And he is joining us next week on the show to give us some advice on how we can get through these tough times. Now, once again, please get in contact to let me know how you guys are coping, and I would happily share, especially if you want to come on the show and talk about your experience. You can contact me via the email below in the show notes. Give us a subscribe to keep updated on when our episodes are released each week, and head it over to Patreon for more exclusive content. So, without further ado, this is On About Bar with Tom Sergi.
1: Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Menning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On The Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on The Back Bar. This is christopher Manning
0: tom thank you so much for joining us on the Bat bar how are you
2: i'm really well really well nice to be talking i haven't spoken to you in a while
0: it has been a while yes and so for the audience me and tom used to work together a lot in sussex in various places
2: we did we did it's lovely and thank you for inviting me on it's gonna be fun it's gonna be great
0: Now, for the audience, Tom, if you can give us a rundown of who you are
2: and what you do. Totally, totally, totally. So, um, my name's Tom Sergi. I've worked in hospitality literally all of my life starting off in kitchens, peeling carrots and potatoes at 14 in pubs. And then I just loved it. And, and I've always, always, always been in the industry ever since, but I quickly moved out of the kitchen Um realized the sensible side of things to be almost behind the bar. And from about 17 ish washing glasses and things. Um, I've always, I've always been behind, you know, behind bars ever since in the sort of hospitality sense of it, not in prison. And, um, and so now, about six years ago, I left, I left restaurants and um, moved in with Ridgeview. And so moved down to Sussex and started working with this amazing English sparkling wine producer. All of my time in restaurants before um, had kind of built this sort of love of wine in me, and it was always having been front of house, just sort of mucking about with wine lists, seeing the application of wine in restaurants, serving it with food. I just thought this is a really, it's a cool product, you know. I started, you know, being in love with beer. I then got sort of into sort of like sensory analysis and looking at sort of what a product is and the complexities of a drink through getting into Scotch whiskey and things, and then I discovered wine when I was like, you know. Early early 20s um and up at the club at the ivy in london um and that was it for me that was like right that's that's this is the drink that i really kind of get behind so i know that you talk to loads of guys who um you know who work with spirits and things um and the sort of the love they have for that as a category i sort of i sort of found that in wine if you like so i came to it in quite a Holistic way in quite a sort of um, sort of, you know, not necessarily sort of, you know, from a sort of family of people who had a huge cellar of wine sort of downstairs you know, grew up with parents pouring it. My parents did drink wine and things. But um, but really, yeah, my discovery of the whole thing came through working in restaurants. And when I joined Ridgeview, so decided to leave restaurants and started decided to go into wine full time and work for a brand. I wrote a letter to this lovely little English wine company, um, a family business, based in Ditchling, which is a little village just north of Brighton on the south coast in England. Um, and I just said, look, I've I've done this before, I've sort of put wine lists together a bit, I've I've worked front house and restaurants all my life, and and so I've bought a fair bit and sold a fair bit of wine in restaurants theoretically, I think I could probably work with you and sell your wine into restaurants. There's an empathy there. I'd understand how it would work. And um, brilliantly, they, they came back to me immediately, pretty much, and said, you know what? We sort of feel like maybe we could do with somebody to come and do some salesy stuff. And I came and met the family. We, we got on very well, had a cup of tea. That turned into a glass of wine, uh, a meeting or so later, um, and that was that was six years ago. So I've I've been with the guys for six years now. I adore them. They are an amazing family, the Roberts family, who own Ridgeview. Um and I think I was I was employee number eleven. And we've now got about 35, 36, 37, something like that. So, um, so we're rocketing. So I was very lucky. I, I joined Richfield at a point where we, we began to grow as a business and we make a lot of wine now. So we make about 400,000 bottles every year um which is way more than we could get through ourselves so we do have to sell some of it um and really we are i've I've been very lucky in that i've been able to be part of the project with the family and and look at how we take the wines out to market all around the world we're in 18 different countries which you know which is increasingly exciting um we're not in thailand yet we're not in bangkok yet so you can't get any behind your bar at the moment but we will and um but, you know, the UK is, you know, the UK is 80 is, percent is the vast majority of our sales. So so that's me. So so I, I look after lovely little uh, Richview as a producer um on the sales side of it and work with the team here. And then I also do wine presenting on the outside sort of additional to that. So over the last three years, I've, I've started working with a lot of wine events. Um, and as I say, my background is wine more generally, but I've sort of specialised in English fizz for about six years. But I now do. Um, a whole wide mix of wine communications, presenting. I do a bit on the radio. Um, I was on TV quite recently. Oh, hello. Get, get him. Um, but um, So it's all kind of, yeah, it's all beginning. That side of it is also going quite nicely. We can talk about that. We can go through that. So loads of stuff, Chris. Loads of stuff.
0: <laughs> and we have to say congratulations because you've recently been part of the Outstanding Achievement Award in wine.
2: Yeah. Oh, bless you. Well, do you know what? I was shortlisted. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was really good. So... The um, IWSC very kindly shortlisted me for, yeah, an outstanding achievement in wine, which isn't too bad. I was, I was hugely, hugely proud of that. Um, it was actually won by a very good friend of mine, Sula. She came away with the top spot, but I was, but yeah, no, I was, I was very much, I was in the final trio um, and we're all winners in many ways. And then Sula will listen to this and will go, no, I'm the actual winner, but, you yeah, know, so, um, but thank you, mate. No, it was, it was great.
0: Well, it just shows a lot of what you do is being noticed, so well done. Now, let's crack on with Richie. Uh, the English sparkling wine is huge now around the world and I think you guys have been a big driver of that. Could you tell us a bit about the story and a bit about the production side?
2: totally so ridgeview it's a really straightforward simple concept we started in 1995 um as a family business mike and his wife chris roberts they bought a plot of land about 30 acres um just in ditchling in the village just north of brighton as i say and they decided through sort of um some analysis and bringing some people over from champagne oenologists and viticulturalists that actually the soils in the southeast of england were very similar, you know, in their makeup, chalk and limestone and clay, generally to the soils that you get 300 miles or so south of us in Champagne. And famously, Champagne's done very well. You know, you might have heard of it. They've, do, they've done quite well in terms of making fizz um, and producing brilliant, 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 lean, fresh wines that are ideal for sparkling wine uh, from Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. And so literally the concept of Ridgeview was – OK, we think we've got a, a pretty unique climate here. It's similar. It's a cool climate to somewhere like Champagne, which has been a very successful sparkling wine climate before. We can bring those great varieties to the UK um, and we can we can try and establish sort of, you know, a, a world sort of uh, a world internationally quality sparkling wine um, from And so that was the ambition. It was it was a complete um, trial, really. English wine was not a huge thing before that. You know, that was 1995. Um, And there were only one or two other people in this country who were looking at doing sparkling wine like that. England's always made wine. The Romans brought vines to England um, and post World War Two. Um, quite a few people did start making still wines and things but it, it, the quality level wasn't really in general of a, of a internationally recognised quality let's say and in fact a lot of the English wine scene um, of the last 25 years as we massively now are making hugely international quality wines um, has been about getting over the, the sort of slight joke around most of Europe of sort of god don't touch English wine so there's been this wonderful uh, kind of opportunity for us to to break the preconceptions about what wine from England might be like. Um, and I think English wine now, after 25 years of that, is, is yeah, hugely internationally recognized. They're some of the most high quality wines in the world. Um, and we are very, very, very lucky. So, you know, the Southeast of England shares similar soils as, say, Champagne, But crucially, it's very unique in its own right. They are very disparate. You get small pockets of chalk and small pockets of limestone and clay. So you get quite specific little vineyard sites that have their own unique character which in the world of wine we call terroir um that literally that word people get really com- you know sort of confused by terroir and think it's a bit of a waffly sort of thing it's not terroir literally just means it tastes like where it comes from and the whole point of wine is that it does it communicates its sense of place spirits i love beer i adore my little brother's a brewer i think beer's great but they're recipes you know you they are you can bring different ingredients together to to balance it and create flavors that you want and that's that's a brilliant thing to be able to do Wine is the opposite of that wine is the most pure thing in the world In my in my sort of opinion where it's literally grapes grown. They taste that where they come from You squish them you ferment them and you put them in a bottle Um, and that's the joy of it, you know, it's 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 not much matter within any greater way than that, you know in its simplest form and so what Ridgeview's is about is trying to make Really delicious wine that tastes like where it comes from. And we just use Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. Because England's so cold, sparkling wine is the way to go. You get really high acid. We, we worked it out from word dot. We've only ever made fizz, but we haven't changed from from the very beginning. The whole idea is like just sparkling wine with really beautiful high acidity from Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier and really lean, fresh, concentrated fruit flavours, you know, and, and England as a climate gives us that. It's um, it's a lot different potentially to what we thought it was going to be like. I think I think people thought it was going to be more similar to Champagne in its climate. We're actually a lot colder. Um, And the last 25 years has taught us a huge amount about the uniqueness of of what English wine is and Sussex, you know, as as a region, as well as, you know, all of the um, counties along the southeast coast, which basically are producing the majority of wine from this country. And so what's been quite fun is the Roberts family have been able to be sort of real pioneers and drivers of this completely new, unique style of sparkling wine. The end result for English wine across the board, whether it's Ridgeview or any of the others, is they tend to be leaner and fresher and more concentrated. They, you know, the fruit in Champagne often tastes like kind of like baked apples you know it's like an apple pie it's got that lovely kind of brioche biscuity note from the aging in the cellar and the fruit in it is a bit more like kind of baked apples and baked citruses that sort of thing in england the fruit is like fresh lemon fresh granny smith apple right off the tree it's crunchy and bright and bold and so they're quite distinct wines in their own right so what would you do just to go over the production is we do what 's known as the traditional method it 's one of the longest wine making techniques uh, that you could wish to wish to do um, You plant your vineyard that takes you about three years before it bears fruit that's of a quality that you can actually make wine from and then this method of production um takes a minimum of about two two and a half years so you are looking at about five six years from the moment you establish your business before you actually see any kind of marketable product so it's a huge investment in time and people wouldn't do it unless the quality level was there so what we do is we pick our grapes all by hand in the october in the year one of the great things about england is it's got this nice soft gentle autumn it doesn't just descend into sort of torrential rain and winter usually you know vintage by vintage um, but we can tend to hang our grapes on the vine until sort of end of september beginning of october they've re- reached beautiful ripeness at that point wonderful flavor development but because it's so cold the acidity is still really high in them we'll press those grapes very gently as whole bunches and extract only the best portion of juice only sort of maybe about let's say sort of 30 40 percent of the potential juice from that grape is extracted with very light pressing that goes into one stainless steel tank we might then press a little bit more of those grapes and extract a little bit more uh, maybe another 10 percent of the potential juice and we'll keep that separately in another tank Um, And that first pressing from the grapes is very elegant and light and zesty and pure. And the second pressing, which is known as the Thai, is a bit more rich and it's like a sort of bit more spicy and fuller flavoured. You know, you've pressed a bit more to get it. But we do leave um, a decent portion of of juice behind and we're only using the very, very best cuts, if you like, Um, as a whole industry that is growing up around the English sparkling wine industry for that reason, producing spirits from the additional juice that's then left over from the processing. So there's a hugely positive sort of sustainability thing that everything is being used it's just not going into this production. Um and so what happens then is once you've got juice in tank you ferment it you add some yeast you cause the fermentation to take place and what you end up with is a still wine with a naturally quite low alcohol because England is 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 a cool climate the grapes only achieve a little bit of sugar you know if you're growing grapes in south africa or southern australia where it's hot you know the warmer it is the more sugar grapes develop in england the opposite applies very low sugars so we end up with maybe sort of nine and a half ten percent uh, alcohol still wines um and what we then do is we add a bit more yeast and sugar to those cause a second fermentation to take place but crucially that happens inside a bottle so we stir in that yeast and sugar to cause the fermentation we put that wine as it's beginning to ferment and sort of getting a bit more cloudy into a bottle put a beer bottle stopper like a crown cap on the end of it and then you leave it and over another month or so Second fermentation takes place in each individual bottle. Each unique bottle has its own ferment and the bubbles are created because carbon dioxide um, is the byproduct of that second fermentation as well as a bit more alcohol. And so that is how you create these tiny millions of little bubbles inside each bottle. Um, The alcohol goes up to 12%, which is a good kind of like not too high, but kind of really nice average level of alcohol for wine gives them enough structure and body, but isn't too boozy. Um, And the joy with this method, traditional method, is you can then leave that wine, it's like a little time capsule, for as long as you might want to. And the longer you leave it in that bottle, with the yeast cells left over from that second fermentation just left lying on the side of that bottle in a dark cellar underneath our winery in our case, um, the more complexity the more f- uh, additional flavors are going to come out of it so like bready brioche yeasty toasty characters begin to develop and if you've ever had long what's called lees aged which is this whole process of leaving it on the yeast, um champagnes like Dom perignon or something like that you know they're really quite truffly mushroomy full rich kind of things um and that's an example of what happens if you leave it for ages What we do at Ridgeview, stylistically as a producer, is we pick the highest quality fruit. We really focus on fruit quality. And so we don't actually leave our wines in the cellar for huge periods of time. We leave three of the six wines we make in the cellar for about 12 to 18 months. And what that does is it just gives you a little bit of extra brioche and toast and sort of complexity. But the driving kind of palette, the driving character of these wines is very much fruit and very much sort of, yeah, pure expressive zesty zippy fruit um which we love which we think you know communicates what England's all about and then we produce a slightly higher price point range of wines um which we leave for 3 years minimum um and some of them achieve a, a little bit more than that as well and those wines have a lot more of this kind of bready brioche toasty character so we produce a range of six um sparkling wines All at one quality level, only sort of no corners cut, total focus and dedication to quality, but each with their own unique style. And three of them young, fresh, vibrant wines, three of them slightly more mature, slightly more sort of uh, textural kind of, you know, yeah, that kind of sort of fuller style uh, wines as well. So that's what Ridgeview do. Really focused really pure we won um the internet well we were were the international winemakers of the year uh last year which is awesome so simon roberts who's the head winemaker is the second generation of the roberts family that was one of the lovely things about that you know the sort of transition if you like from the first generation to the second generation of the roberts family is that you know we are we're a unique producer in the uk and that the you know the parents who started it mike and chris ran it for a long time and now both kids tamara Their daughter, who is now the CEO and has been involved in the business business for a long time, and her her brother, Simon, is the head winemaker and has made wine alongside his dad from the very start. So there's been this lovely kind of transition through the family. The third generation are now 14, so they've got a little way to go yet before we we do any more sort of passing down through the generations. But we do get them… To do the washing up when we do pop-up restaurants on site so you know we're beginning to bring them into the fold so yeah so that's the lay of the land with ridgeview um it's it's been an amazing journey and i i just i, I adore them and you you probably hear i'm quite passionate about the whole thing and we are we're taking this brand new product out into the world and english sparkling wine you know without question is you know i obviously i'm hugely biased but it's without question the most exciting sparkling wine region in the world tasmania's got a pretty good shout for being you know up there as well tasmania can make amazing sparklings but england has got this completely unique climate and we're one of the only places on the planet that's just pitch perfect for traditional method fizz
0: Uh, and yeah it is a great wine i love it personally myself and uh i mean what do you think the future of english sparkling wine is now I
2: think it's more around the world you know so we're in 18 markets um as i say you know we're doing loads in america japan like you know the the sort of the food and drink scene in japan is just phenomenal and we've got a lot of interest going on out there um taiwan is amazing loads of european countries of course all the scandies you know the like we do so much in norway and sweden and finland is amazing and so i think English wine is going to continue to sort of make its way around the world and new markets will sort of wake up to it and switch on to it. And the volume of production is going up. You know, we've we've we're all quite sort of sustainably, gradually, sensibly growing. There's nobody growing at sort of a, a sort of ridiculous rate of knots, really. And quality is very much the focus in a climate like ours. The The joy is that. Super cold climates like ours, which are quite challenging, you know, um, you know, it's not the easiest place to grow grapes. Um, So you have to be in the vineyard working very hard by hand to make sure that everything works every year. Um, It's not cheap and it's not easy. So kind of that kind of protects the quality. Nobody's jumping into English wine just to make a quick, fast buck. Um, If you want to do that, go somewhere warm, like, you know, south of France or something that might that might work really well. So English wine, I think, will continue as a really quality proposition. It'll do more and more around the world. Um, but even in England, we're we're still at a point where not everybody's got an English sparkling wine on their list. Um, we often, you know, more often than not, if they do, they've only got one. Um, and I think we need to start seeing collaboration between English producers on wine lists. You know, it's very rare to just see one champagne, for example, on a wine list. Usually the customer gets a choice of a few. Um and I think we're going to see more and more of that, you know, so it's it's a joy for us because the the sort of the sky's the limit. And, and we are we're so far from having hit saturation of any of the markets. You know, there's, there's just there's so much opportunity for us to kind of keep growing. And I think bartenders are switching on to it. By the glass sales is absolutely key. You know, you saw that. You know, you've seen that at Grave Tie, you saw that at Hotel de Van. Loads of the places you've been working with, and I think the application of English sparkling as a by the glass product in any bar and restaurant is just awesome. It shows. It shows a bit of a point of difference. It's it's of a quality level that is equal, if not way higher, than the vast majority of champagnes. And where champagne sells itself on a wine list because it's a very well established, known brand. Um, English wine doesn't. English wine is a hand-sold item still. It still takes a bartender to say, hey, you've got to try this. But that's the whole point of what we do in hospitality is it's, it's an experience for the guests. It's, you know, to have something like this where you can be guaranteed the product and the quality is phenomenal and to be able to say to a guest, hey, look, I've got this. We've gone and found this amazing producer from England. I want you to try it. And then they have an amazing experience. That's like, that's just that's what we all do it for right that's that's the whole that's the whole thing yeah hospitality sort of is 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 based on it it's sort of hinged on so yeah, so i think with english fears that's that's what you're going to see you're going to see lots more of it um, and you're going to see it much more widespread and, and out there um and sort of you know building bigger spaces on wine lists and being poured by the glass even more um and we're seeing that yeah all the time all the time
0: and I think a big part of that is communication and you're known for being a great communicator in the wine world. Uh, recently you were part of an exciting app called Pingza. Can you tell us a bit about
2: yeah, that? Yeah, Totally. So, so, so i do five days a week with ridgeview um and and adore them and i've got a little team now we've got Scarlett and brandon who work with me who are just brilliant so between us we we look after the sales side of the business for ridgeview and then in addition to that i about three years ago started doing some freelance wine communication things you know i've always loved talking about wine um and one of the things i really 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 wanted to do was try and make wine accessible i think there's there's still a huge way for us to go there's there are brilliant communication out there and for decades and decades and decades England, you know, especially has had these incredible wine communicators that have done a brilliant job so I'm not suggesting for a second that anyone's missed a trick or hasn't hasn't done their bit they really have, but I still think for the modern consumer there's so much further we can go to, to make wine accessible and to kind of Kind of bring it into the space where, you know, it it sits alongside beer and spirits as, as social lubricants as something that, something that makes a good time better, you know, and that people feel comfortable talking about. And if they don't know what that wine is, um, feeling like they can ask, you know, rather than being given a wine list and then, um, feeling like, you know, Oh God, I need to pretend that, you know, I know, I know what a Cote tea is. Otherwise I'm going to look a complete fool. Um, you know i so i think i think we've got a way to go to break down the kind of stigmas around wine and make it easier and more fun for people to get involved in at uh, all knowledge levels so one of the things that i managed to find was um i was approached by these guys who we're developing an app and the whole ethos of the app um, is to make wine accessible. And so it was just this brilliant coming together of like, wow, that's what I want to do. And you guys had really wanted to do it too. And so I've been working with Pingza now for a year um, and we're just about to kick off for the second year, which is really good. It launched in December. So definitely, definitely, anyone that's um, into wine wants to know more about it, drink more of it, definitely download it. It's completely free. And what Pingza does is when you download it, you answer a series of questions about what you might order on a menu, what you might, how you might drink your coffee, you know, all kinds of things to do with food and to do with drink and to do with things that people are, you know, they, they know their own benchmarks for. And then what that's going to do is that's going to sort you into your own unique Palette profile and the idea is that the app then will recommend wines based on wherever you are whether you're in restaurants in england whether you are in a particular supermarket wherever it might be and it will be able to recommend the wines that are paired to your palate profile so if you say to the app um, and there's you know a load of filters and options for you to do this like i'm having roast chicken tonight and i'm going into sainsbury's it recommends the right wine that's going to work for you and then equally it can take off the palette profile and you can do it by situation so you can say okay um i'm having a barbecue at the weekend i want some red wines that are going to go really well with with the barbecue and so it'll recommend to you here are four reds in this particular supermarket or wherever you're based and you want to be buying it from that are going to fit the barbecue really well and so it kind of it tailors it uniquely to you and i thought it was a really cool concept and then the bit that i do um all of that's going on in the app you know i don't i don't get involved in that too much but but all of that is going on in the app works really well and then i do a load of educational videos around it like the opposite of this chris we're we're waffling and having a nice chat but i do really concise really kind of clean straight um sort of you know hopefully slightly amusing on occasion um videos about specific wine things you know just you know if you want to know what Sauvignon Blanc tastes like here's two minutes on Sauvignon Blanc um if you want to know what Shiraz tastes like it's this or here's three amazing wines to eat with chinese food or drink with chinese food here are the best wines for mother's day in supermarkets in 2020 and so i'll i throw out loads and loads of content um really high quality actually we get some amazing um production guys to come in and do it and so yeah so we're releasing some really awesome media into the into the um sort of into the ether if you like and it's it's popular it's picking up so launched in december and it's it's really beginning to rocket and i think it's i think it's totally unique it's not quite like anything else out there and i think it's got an opportunity to to yeah really kind of break down preconceptions and people's concerns around wine and things and get people sort of tucking into it and, and enjoying it is the idea so yeah it's fun
0: yeah, it is a great app, and uh, I suggest people to check it out. So, on top of this, you also do some presenting with the free wine men, right, Tom?
2: Yeah, so that was awesome. So I um I met um I met Ollie Smith, who's who's an amazing wine presenter, um, does Saturday Kitchen and things like that in the UK, and goes all over the world talking about wine. And I met Ollie. Um, probably about five years ago. And we got on a house on fire, which is great. How couldn't we? We both loved wine. We're both quite sort of gregarious and out there and wave our arms around a bit and wear bright shirts. So um, the sort of beginnings of a lovely relationship was born. And Ollie was very kind and said, look, I, um, I'd love you to come and do some masterclasses and things at, at a show I do called Three Wine Men. And the Three Wine Men is a, is a, con- a conceptual show that it's like a touring wine event goes all over the UK. Um, and the Three Wine Men are Oz Clark, um, of huge international wine fame. You've got Tim Atkin, again, huge, wonderful um wine critic, wine expert, master of wine, um, and Ollie Smith. And so the three of them are the three women and they tour. What then happened a couple of years later, after me doing that, and I've been doing it as I say for about four years, they um They very kindly invited me to become part of the trio. So there's now four of us. And then Susie Atkins has been brought in as well. So there's now five of us, um, which is really cool. So and what we do is we kind of rotate. There's always three of us at an event, but there will be a a revolving and rotating lineup. And it's just wicked. So um, these are ticketed events. We do them all over the country. Um, we did one on Portugal literally a couple of weeks ago, literally just hundreds and hundreds of Portuguese wines in a room. Um, and the idea is that people buy tickets come in and they can, they can mingle and meet, you know, each of us and we will be able to take them around, show them amazing wines, give them a bit of direction. And again, it's about making wine accessible and fun and, and, you know, allowing people to come in and explore it a bit and then also be given a little nudge here and there of, oh, great. If you love that wine, you've got to go and try this. And it's again, hugely, hugely popular. And, um, I'm very grateful to those guys for having brought me on board and so so that's loads of fun so yeah three men is is growing and growing and I think um yeah it's going to be a great year together again it's going to be fab great
0: and just to finish off could you give us your top two wine tips for this year maybe what people should be drinking and how they should be drinking it
2: Nice. Well, number one, it's got to be. And I know I'm biased, but if you haven't got into English fizz already, you've got to got to got to try it. Right. It's some of the best value fizz in the world. It's premium, but it should be wine. Wine should be, you know, at a premium. And I think we can we can definitely anyone that's working behind bars, anybody that is pouring drinks for people and potentially is an ingredient for cocktails. English sparkling wine, it's still the next big thing. You know, it's 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 very much up and coming still. And anybody that's not in the UK, in other markets, that's even more so. You know, there's an opportunity to really give guests an amazing, unique experience. So I think that's really cool. The other big wine tip I suppose that I really like is I would be looking at – places like slovenia and i think like the whole eastern european thing that's happening at the moment um like the wines coming out of there are just phenomenal and i've been drinking loads of things like really dry ferment um from producers like pukla um out there and like i think that's quite an exciting region as well i always think with wine drink off the beaten track if you can you're always going to pay more for a well-established known brand sort of or region you know so if you've if you've heard of it and you feel comfortable with it as a region that's totally fine but you're probably going to be paying a premium for it because that's fair enough um so drinking off the beaten track is always the way to go and eastern europe is making incredible super dry whites and reds across the board so i think that's quite a fun little tip
0: Brilliant. Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been great to catch up with you. It's a pleasure.
2: Nice to catch up. Thank you for chatting
0: to me. No worries. And we wish you all the best for the rest of 2020. Uh, For the listeners, check out Ridgeview, check out Pingser and see what Tom is doing. Uh, You can find all this in the show notes. Tom, have a wonderful day. Thanks
2: very much. You too.
0: All right, guys, that's that. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to check out next week as we have Sven Almaning telling us his story and letting us know about his now free online hospitality training program. Stay safe, stay indoors, and talk soon.